Jude, verse 24. Jude, verse 24. Come on. Jude, verse 24, it says, Now unto him that is able. And I mean, really, we could stop right there. I mean, what an amazing thought that God, our God, is able. We serve, do you realize, you serve the only God. There, the, we live in a world that is full of God's but they are no gods. You could go to the prophets and they would tell you there that they don't speak, they don't eat, you know, they don't breathe, they are stone, they're wood, they're fake. They hold no power, no significance. We worship and serve God and he is able. What an amazing thought that is, that we possess the God, the creator of the universe, who is able to do whatever it is we need him to do. Whatever it is he needs to do in our lives, he is able to do it. What an amazing thought that is. And last week, or a few weeks ago, we looked at, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And we talked about how God is able to protect us and to keep us from falling, whether it's falling into false teaching, falling into sin, whatever it is, our God is able to keep or to protect us. And tonight, I want to look at the rest of this verse when it says, now unto him that is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I, I, I took a couple commentaries from pastor's office. And I grabbed as many commentaries as I could find on the book of Jude. I bought some off eBay, just trying to find something on Jude. And this verse, every book I looked at had about that much written about this verse. And as I study this verse, it blows my mind that that's all that's written. When you stop and you just think about what he just said about our God and what he is able to do to present you and me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Ladies and gentlemen, there is coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to present you face to face before the very glory of God. And you will be faultless. And it will bring him exceeding jubilant joy to do it. What an amazing thought that is, that there is coming a day when we will be before our God, face to face. The Bible tells us that we will see him as he is. What an amazing thing it is, it's going to be to know him that way. And so here, I want to just kind of break this apart, and I want you to think about a few things. The first thing I want you to think about is this idea of this presenting, this presenting. What's interesting, I actually texted my father-in-law. They have church at, my father-in-law was a Greek professor for 20 years, 25 years. Um, my father-in-law had a man who was a doctor. He sold his, his, uh, his practice 
went to Ambassador Baptist College as a preacher. He got his undergraduate or his graduate degree. I don't remember how it worked out, but he got it from the University of Virginia. The University of Virginia has a world-renowned linguistic department. And he sat in my father-in-law's Greek class and he said, this class is amazing. My father-in-law has sat in other Greek classes at other Bible colleges and made professors nervous because my father-in-law was in that class. Now, I don't say that to brag on my father-in-law. I'm just saying my father-in-law knows Greek. So I texted him today because I don't know Greek half as well as he does. And the reason I texted him is because this word present is in an interesting tense to where it usually refers to an action that just took place. And so I was reading this, and I'm thinking, it says he is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And so I'm, think, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, was this presenting something that God, that Christ did when I got saved? When I got saved, is there a positional presenting that positionally I stand before God faultless because of Jesus Christ? But I would also argue that, ladies and gentlemen, there is coming a day when you will be presented and you will physically or spiritually actually stand before God. What a day that's going to be. How awesome is that going to be to stand in the presence of God? And so I texted my father-in-law and he hasn't responded. So when I get an answer from him, I'll let you know what I find out. But um, anyway... But so here, Christ presents us, get this, Jesus Christ gives us access to God. He is the one who is able to present us. Get it, we cannot present ourselves. There isn't anything about us that is able to come before God. You know, if, if your children walked into your bedroom or if they were at your workplace and they walked into your office, they would have access. Why? Because they're your children, Right? Or even in your home, you know, as your kids get older, there might come a, come a day when you give your kids a, a key and they can walk into your home. But if some random stranger walked into your home, you'd be kind of like, what are you doing here? You have no right to be here. You have no access to this place. And because of Jesus Christ, we have access. We couldn't attain it. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get there on our own. But Jesus Christ presents us something we could not do on our own. In Colossians chapter 1, um, if you want to turn there, you can. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. Listen to those three words. To present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be, number one, you will be holy when you stand before him that day. You will not be blameable, but get this, you will be unreprovable. Nobody will be there to bring an accusation. Nobody will bring anything to your charge. Nothing. You will be unreprovable in his sight. That's going to be amazing. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, the Bible says this, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, we live in a, in a time on this earth when, unfortunately, there are blemishes and there are some unholy things that take place in the church. But ladies and gentlemen, there's going to come a day when Jesus Christ can present that body to God and it's going to be holy, unblameable, without blemish. What a day that's going to be to be presented in the presence of God. What a day that's going to be. But not only is there this presenting, but if you go back to Jude verse 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to present you faultless. Faultless. Not only is he going to present us, but when he does present us, we will be faultless. This word faultless literally means to be without spot or to be blameless. There will be no blemish in you or me when he presents us to God the Father. We just read Ephesians chapter 5, talking about presenting the church um, holy and without blemish. Um, but there's so many other verses that talk about this idea of being faultless. In um, John chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There isn't anything in us to condemn anymore. There's no spot. There's no sin. There isn't anything wrong or wicked about us anymore. In Philippians 2.15, it says, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. But there is a practical application. Listen, there's going to come a day when you will actually be perfect. You won't sin anymore. You won't have a sin nature anymore. You will be holy. And you will stand there in the presence of God. But ladies and gentlemen, the reality is right now, you and I both have a sin nature. But that does not necessarily excuse us here in Philippians 2.15, he says that we should be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. In uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, um, take your Bibles, go over to 1 John 3.3. 3. It should just be a couple pages over. First John 3.3. 3. Look at verse 1, just, just so you get the context of what he's talking about. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So listen. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. But because of that hope, as we walk this earth, ladies and gentlemen, we should be seeking to be more like our God. We should be, it says, he that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So there is a practical application. Yes, um, positionally before God right now, because of Jesus Christ, 
I, I am justified. I, 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 I am, you know, that perfect, holy. He sees that. But practically, I still have me. I still have this flesh. I still have a sin nature. And I have all those things I have to struggle with because of that. And so here, John says, those that have this hope, right now in your life, you should be seeking to become purer as you live your Christian life. We live in a time when we live in a day of license. People take the complete opposite view of this. Oh, I'm saved. I can live how I want. Oh, there's no condemnation, so I can do what I want. That's the wrong attitude. That is not a biblical mindset. God says the direct opposite. God says, if you're mine, you should be living a life that is seeking to be more like me, not less like me. And so if we have this hope that one day I will be presented faultless before God, then I should be seeking to live a life similar to that now. And it'll never be perfect. Obviously, in this flesh and on this earth, we'll never be God or be like God, and we'll never have that perfect nature, but there will come a day when we will. But that is not an excuse to live how we want to live. So there's coming a day when we will be presented faultless. And I look forward to that day. I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day. Paul said in the book of Romans that nature groans, that there is a groaning, there is a craving, a longing for that redemption, for that that practical, actual redemption to finally come true. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait till my sin nature's gone, and I know my wife can't either, but um, what a day that's going to be when I don't have to put up with me anymore, and neither does anybody else. So faultless, we will be presented faultless, but not only will we be presented faultless, but where will we be presented? Notice what he says back in Jude 24. Where will you and I be presented? He says we will be presented faultless before the presence of his glory. If if you were to take your Bibles and go to um, Exodus 33, take your Bibles, go over to Exodus 33. Go ahead, do that. We got time. Ah, it's early. Exodus 33. Look at Exodus 33 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Okay? So God makes a very very blunt statement here, no man will see me and live. So take your Bible, go over to Isaiah chapter number six. If you look at Isaiah chapter number six, here you have Isaiah seeing God, seeing the Lord on his throne. In verse one it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he, did, he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Let's look at verse 5. 
Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice the attitude, the repentant attitude of Isaiah, because he knows that nobody that sees God will live. And he realizes the extent of his own sin, the sin of his nation, and he realizes his position now that he has seen the Lord, the King, the Lord of hosts. Um, Go over to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And look at verse number one. Here you have the story of the transfiguration. And in verse one, it says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Look at verse four. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, when the glory of God descends, there was a fear that came over these men. And that was normal. That was normal. Remember, uh, was it Elijah that was held or hid in the cleft of the rock as the glory of God passed by? Why? Because they knew if they saw the Lord, they would not live. They could not live. But ladies and gentlemen, there is coming a day when you and I will stand before God in his glory. And we will not die. Because we will be faultless. Because of Jesus Christ. We will be without spot. We will be without blemish. We will be without sin. We will be without the desire to sin. We will be without this flesh and the sin nature. And there we will stand before God in his glory. Faultless. What an amazing thing that's going to be. What an amazing thing. 1 Peter chapter 4. Go on over there. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And look at verse 13. First Peter 4, 13 says, But rejoice, and as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. There is coming a day when that glory will be revealed. And what an exceedingly joyful day that is going to be. You could go over to Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. And you could go to Revelation 19, 11 through 13, and there you find that the eyes of Jesus Christ are like fire. Just looking and thinking about the glory of God and what that's going to be like one day. What an amazing day that's going to be. So we have this presenting. He will present us. This, this faultless, ladies and gentlemen, will be without spot. We will be blameless. And then you have this presence of his glory. And I, and I meant to say this too, that, that word presence literally means 
face to face. Face to face. We will see him as he is. And of course, the word glory means splendor. It means brightness. Um, I think it might be Revelation. It's Revelation 1, 13 through 17, or Revelation 19, 11 through 13. I think it's one of those. It actually says that his brightness was brighter than the sun. His glory. His glory. So you have this presenting. You have the fact that we'll be faultless. This presenting before the presence of his glory. And then the last thing is how will we be presented? Verse 24 again. If you're not in Jude, Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Um, This word exceeding joy means exuberance. This this is an uncontrollable joy. Um, I I, I don't really know how to put this into words. Um, And and I I just, I can't can't imagine what it's going to be on that day when, when we are presented before God like this. But when I think of exceeding joy, I think of a kid on Christmas morning. Remember when I was a kid, we'd wake our parents up at like five. And you know, and it was like, hey. Or my brother and I would get up, actually my brother and I would get out of bed and we'd go out down the hallway and we'd peek and we'd see the tree, I can see it now. I can see the tree over in the corner with the patio doors, the TV and everything over here, couch over here and our stockings on that far wall. And I can see it. And man, we'd look. We'd go over and we'd look in our stockings. We wouldn't touch them. We didn't want to get in trouble. But we would look in them. And man, we were so excited. And um, just that, that joy, that excitement. I found a video today on YouTube. I was looking up um, that idea of excitement on Christmas. And there's a video. It's, it's a British video. It's a commercial. And it's this boy who like starting December 1st is impatiently waiting for Christmas. And he's got, and it's all these clips of every day, him, him looking at the clock, him looking at the calendar, him marking off days, and, and all these different things he's doing to get to Christmas. And you can tell, he cannot wait. I mean, he is excited for Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, he's sitting at the table and he's shoveling his food. He gets done, he runs upstairs, takes off his robe, hops into bed. It goes to bed. I mean, I don't know how early it is, but he's that excited about Christmas. He gets up that morning, goes to his closet, and he grabs a present out of his closet. And he takes it to his mom and dad's bedroom. Do you get it? He wasn't excited about getting a present. He was about excited about giving a present. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't help but think that Jesus Christ isn't kind of like, all right, Lord, you let me know when, because I can't wait. And man, what a day that's going to be when he presents us faultless before the very presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2 tells us this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy of 
You ever really stopped and thought about that? I would encourage you to underline this verse and circle that word joy in your Bible. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It blows my mind to think of the joy that it brought Jesus Christ to endure the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine. The joy that it brought him to bring redemption, reconciliation to you and to me. What an amazing thing that is. What an amazing thing that is. But then we already read this verse, and so I think I have it here. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Not only do I, I, I believe that in, in Jude 24, I believe that it's talking about Christ that he will present us with exceeding joy. But also, 1 Peter 4.13 says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So I think there's gonna be joy on both parts. And what a day that's gonna be. Man, is that gonna be awesome. When we stand blameless, faultless, before the very presence of God's glory because of Jesus Christ, because of what he is able to do, because he is the one that is able. What an amazing thing that's gonna be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your love for us. Thank you for your son. And Lord, what a day that's gonna be when we stand before you, faultless, blameless, no more sin nature before your glory. Lord, what a day that's going to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and let's find a hymnal. What page number is what a day that's going to be? 840? Page number 840? Let's just sing a verse or two of that.